0: Welcome to Finding Emo, our podcast where we discuss our favorite albums from the early aughts and thereabouts. I am Blake Fisher and I am joined, of course, by Chris Monier and Kyle Simmons, because you're the three people that do this podcast. That's right. Um, You know, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. We would love it if you would subscribe to us on whatever platform you listen on. And we would also love it if you gave us a glowing five-star review that helps us out. You know, five-star reviews are great. Um, I have no great reason to give us a five-star review. Actually, oh, you know I, what? All
1: I would implore people to do is make sure you cast your five-star vote legally, because we yeah. do have lawyers ready and we waiting. Do. And we'll mm. stop counting them if you right. don't.
0: <laughs> It'll happen. So uh, today we are doing Jack's Mannequin's 2005 album, uh, Everything in Transit, uh, which the reason we're doing this is because it's A, 15 years old, and B, Chris and I went and saw Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness, his new band, play the whole album front to back last night in Austin, Texas. So it's real fresh for us. Uh, really yeah. kind of a fun. I love these concerts where people do the albums front to back. I think it's the most fun thing and I wish more people would do it. Aerosmith uh, just celebrated being a band for 50 years. I would love to see them go back and play some albums front to back. That'd be awesome. Ooh, uh, I know that's, that's not 50, an, five zero. 50. That's crazy. Five zero years yesterday was their first show. 50 years ago yesterday. Crazy, right? I'm an Aerosmith fan. That has nothing to do with this podcast. They are not an emo band, obviously. But uh, anyway, so that's why we're doing this album uh, this time. It kind of a happy coincidence. We scheduled to do it and then they were playing in Austin. So we were like, well, we should do that. Kyle couldn't go, um, unfortunately, but that's fine. We're good. We had a good time. And uh, now we're going to talk about the album. And I'm the person that did all the research on this one. Uh, like today, literally, I'm not just spoiler. And I had to drive from Austin <laughs> to Austin and back from Austin uh, in like a day and a half. So, yeah, uh, but guys.
1: But it, well, you can't see on video. Like the bed's not even made from like when Blake was here in, <laughs> in my in not my even room made. I was I was <laughs> seven sleeping, hours ago. <laughs> I
0: was sleeping there a mere fourteen hours ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so this is a 2005 release. Uh, they recorded it in 2004. So what happened is obviously Andrew McMahon was in Something Corporate. They had done a couple albums. There was some turmoil and whatnot, uh, as there often is in bands. They hadn't like permanently broken up, but they were kind of like, I don't know, they weren't, they, they hadn't like announced a hiatus even, I don't think at the time. But anyway, he was working on this kind of like side project thing and it wasn't really a big deal. He was just kind of doing it with Jim Wirt, who was the guy that produced the, the two something corporate records. So he's also kind of working on this thing and he's a, he's a really good musician too. So he's an engineer, producer, and musician, and they're kind of working on this stuff. And it's mostly like songs he wrote that weren't quite something corporate-ish, and it's most of it's like programmed drums and kind of demo stuff. So eventually he gets to the point where he's like, actually, I kind of like this. I think it might need to be an album. and might need to be a thing. Uh, his management gets him out of his deal with Geffen because he didn't want to do it with Geffen and Maverick, which is subsidiary of Warner Brothers. It's uh, Madonna's imprint label on Warner uh signs it and kind of is like, Hey, we want, so they got most of the record um kind of fleshed together, but this is like, so he's self financing this whole thing. This is like, he put 40 grand into this and it's mostly program stuff. And then I guess he and Tommy Lee shared management. And so Tommy Lee had asked him to play on some song he was working on for a friend. Cause he really dug their North album, something corporate second record, or I guess, they really had three records, but it's their sophomore record uh, that was popular or whatever. And uh, so he was working on that, and then I guess asked Tommy Lee to play drums on this record instead of all the program stuff that they had. So he gets Tommy Lee from Motley Crue to play drums on this Jacks Mannequin record, which is honestly the first time I'd heard Tommy Lee play anything that wasn't just like straight hard rock. Like he's got chops, man. He's a good yeah. drummer. I mean, I don't know why that surprises me at all, but it's just weird because like Motley Crue is such a like everything's triggered. Like his whole set is like triggers and stuff. Cause it's all that style. So anyway, Tommy Lee plays on the record. Uh, they give it to Maverick Maverick. This is too late 2004. Uh, Mavericks is like, we really want one more song on it. We really need something else on there. So guys, this is bananas. Uh, there is no dark blue. There is no la la La. And there's no Into the airwaves on this album at that point. So I, I assume there had to have been a couple other ones. Cause that would mean there were eight songs on the record at the time. So, they end up writing La 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 and Into the Airwaves and add those to the album. They're like, great, this is awesome. So, they set a release date for July. And then in May, he writes Dark Blue and they're like, okay, we got to get this on the record. So, they push back the release date and they record Dark Blue, get it on the record. And then, like, he has a something corporate show. So, they've not like broken up. And there's like two shows. He's super fatigued. He can't. Uh, he's just not feeling well. So he goes and gets some blood work done to the doctor. They can not He's got laryngitis or something like that, or pneumonia. I can't remember what it was. Keep in mind, this is all like Wikipedia and stuff. Some of these details might be wrong. But he goes to the doctor. In the mastering session for this record, he finds out he has leukemia. And mm. immediately has to go to the hospital and do treatment and all this stuff. So tells the label. He's like, hey, I can't promote this record because I've got leukemia <laughs> for obvious reasons. I can't go on <laughs> tour right now. They... Um, they ended up pushing it back just a couple of weeks and they they decided to release it because they'd already had a single out. They already kind of had some stuff, so they just went with it. So they released it in August, but really he did not get to do any promotion for this record for a while because he was uh, sick. I mean, he's 22, I think, when he's sick. Yay. He's got Young yeah, leukemia at 22. Uh, literally on the edge where they're like trying to figure out if he needs to be treated like at a pediatric place or as an adult, you know? So that's a definitely a fine line there. And uh, so really for the first year, the album is out. It doesn't get promoted by the band so much as the label some, and with like a, the music video for one of them was like an animated thing. Uh, didn't involve him, but uh, yeah, so it's kind of a crazy, uh, he writes this whole album, records it, releases it and, and, basically right in the middle of that, just figures out he has leukemia and is sick and stuff. And so, um, not a common, uh, story, obviously. No. So, so then, uh, he like by about the end of 2005, I guess he, I, on the same day, the record was released, he gets a stem cell, I guess, replacement or what do you call that? A transplant transplant, transplant mm-hmm. yeah. from his sister. So on the same day that the album comes out, he gets the stem uh transfer that like saves it or transplant that like saves his life essentially, um, which is crazy, right? Um, so that's a pretty big day for him. And then by the end of 2005, he's doing some promotional stuff like some late night shows, and he did a big like it was like actually in the plot line of One Tree Hill where it's like the song mixtape was on some mixtape, and I don't know, I didn't oh, ever see the show, I didn't know but that. he's actually that's playing cool. two songs in the episodes or whatever, and so. It was, uh, um, so I'm sure that was a nice promotional thing without having to go on tour because that was a pretty big show uh, at the time. So in January, we actually is better. He's like not in total out of the woods yet, but he's like, fine. He's off, you know, the major treatment kind of stuff. They start doing um, some touring and stuff like that. Wikipedia says they didn't do headlining tours till 2007, which I know is wrong because I saw them in 2006 on a headlining tour in September. So I know that by the fall uh, or, you know, late summer, early fall of 2006. They're in full Jack's mannequin mode, actually doing tours and stuff like that. Um, which is crazy because that means that's like two years after the album, or sorry, that's a year after the album came out that they're actually in, um, you know, full swing of what you would normally do while the album's out. So, uh, it still managed to go to 37 on the billboard 200. um, pretty successful uh you know critics liked it um and but overall like you know obviously it didn't get a huge push that first year it got a much bigger push in 2006 because they actually had a band that could be on tour and stuff at that point so it made a little more sense to push it more from the label so um all in all a pretty cool thing considering that i mean a lot of labels might have just shelved it at that point i mean who you know that's a a, a tricky situation to be in obviously so uh, a weird timeline and obviously he's uh, super into, he's got the deer Jack foundation now, which he quickly founded, which is a you know nonprofit that supports, especially like young people that get cancer. Um, so it's pretty cool stuff. I identify a little bit with that cause I got cancer like two years later. Uh, so <laughs> a similar boat, although mine was not near as serious as leukemia is obviously. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I kind of, you know, relate to it in that way. But, uh, so, that's kind of the facts of the record. Uh, most of it is Andrew McMahon, Tommy Lee, um, and Jim work played all the guitars and produced it. And there's a couple other people, uh, that play throughout it as well. Um, but yeah, it's mostly Jim and Andrew that play everything on the record. And, um, it's kind of crazy to me that those three songs were not on it when, you know, he was originally signed with Maverick and they were like, we need one more song. And then they got those three songs. Um, because I think it's quite a different album without those three songs, but uh, let's talk about First Impressions. Uh, who wants to go first out of you two?
2: I I can go first. Kyle can go first then. Please okay. do. I have a very distinct memory, and it's, I mean, I would say that it's going to date me, but since we know that it came out in 2005, I we guess. We are aware that it
0: is 15 years old we, at this point.
2: We, yeah. So uh, do you guys remember... In vans stores, they used to have music videos playing and skateboard videos playing, like yeah. constantly. And then randomly, you'd be like, "Oh, that's a cool song." Yeah. And it would credit the band. It's it's where I first heard Jack's Mannequin, and I was like, nice. "Whoa, very interesting. That is super super cool." And um, I
0: assume you were into something corporate before Jack's Mannequin, or no?
2: I wasn't. <gasps> I did not like something. Corporate. No. Unbelievable! Yeah. this is the first time yeah. ever
0: that you weren't into a band before we were, Kyle. No, I, I think I just on this did, podcast, I just,
2: I just didn't. Oh. I, it, it didn't do it for me. And the thing is, I I don't know. I'm gonna blame it on you'd, you. You, blame you paused it for a second on uh, on the you know their sophomore record, talking about that. Yeah, on yeah. North. I'm gonna blame yeah. it on Drive Through for just putting out EPs for every band or, you know, up front. Yeah. And I just wasn't into that first thing. W- didn't they put out like an EP first?
1: Yeah. I think it's called like audio boxer. Y- yeah.
2: There's an yeah. EP
0: and then there's uh, leaving through the window and then North. Yeah.
2: And I was not into the EP. And so I, n- I kinda... never gave them a chance. It wasn't, it wasn't that I disliked them. I didn't like that EP. And so I just didn't listen to them. I nothing to them. You know what I mean? And That's And fair. then I'm, I did I'm that in to lots of bands. I'm in vans buying, you know, the my 700th <laughs> pair of checkered slip ons. And, uh, and I, you can't have I too heard, many pairs
0: of those. I mean, well,
2: <laughs> and, and I heard, uh, uh, a song that I just thought kicked butt. And luckily, back then, it was pretty common on those videos for them to, you know, attribute the band to credit the band. And I went and bought the record. Um, I bought the record that day.
0: Okay, so I have so. to fact check you just a little bit. Was it a Van okay. sh- store for sure, or was it um, American Eagle? Was is what it I Journey? Was oh, you're was saying Journey? That's
1: crazy. I, there was v- videos playing in every. Store we didn't have like a guys.
0: Van store at Penn Square at the
2: time. So here's the thing. But Journeys it did cou- that a lot too. So it could have been Journey. Might have been Journey. But but I did. It definitely wouldn't. have. I was not an American Eagle dude. That was not my thing. (laughs) That was
0: not Kyle for
2: sure. (laughs) So, and actually, but I feel like I, I I know that that's not what this podcast is about, but I'm also not a journeys guy because journeys is the weirdest place at the mall. It's, it's like the, it's this, it's the only place other than the kiosks that they're going to hit you with the hard sale. Oh, so hard. But the reason, what, what are you here for? Like what? Do you, what do you? What kind of shoes
1: you like? I just want to look at these it's shoes like, for just, a second, man. But, but the reason I guess that is
0: because they sold vans. They were the place that sold vans at the mall at the time. Yeah, that's so probably my guess. You're probably right. It probably was Journeys. Because
1: w-
2: when I said that, I was like, I I did think for a second maybe it was Journeys. But we do have a van store e-
1: now, but we did not at the time. Dude, no, even I- so. I, re- I remember like just as being like an overall per- kind of introverted anxious person like if I was going to buy shoes at Journeys I had to mentally prepare myself in the car for like what was going <laughs> to go gonna, down they're like, going like like to sell a used me used those car. socks at the end and those the the shoe cream dude why <laughs> I have why to remember Journeys I don't want hard sell
2: why do they do the hard sell at Journeys well, I don't and, understand me and
1: Blake it. have a really good friend who was a manager there we will have to bring him in we'll as bring a side in. podcast <laughs> to discuss Journey sales <laughs> tactics that be no one would no I mean. Less fewer people would listen to that than any
0: podcast on the internet, probably. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Just a guess. Uh, Chris, what were your first impressions, if any? Uh when it, I, when I it need came to meditate
1: out? for like two minutes to like get my brain calmed down from <laughs> Journeys mode. You're still
0: stressed out because you feel like you're going to hard No,
1: I am a little stressed. I, I bet if I was taking my blood pressure, would be a little higher. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I am in that moment. I'm having PTSD of like trying to buy some Doc Martens. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I so I I wasn't super excited about this band, even though I was a huge Something Corporate fan. I I guess I just like didn't get the memo about this record. Um, I feel like Blake, you would have been the one to introduce me to this. I have a uh, I have the album on Apple Music through the iTunes match, you know, and mm-hmm. and occasionally, I think I've mentioned this in other episodes. Uh, one of the, one of my songs on, when I listen to it, I'll, I'll hear like that it was uploaded like a rough mi- you know, something weird about it that makes me think, oh this is like some legacy version of this song that has followed me through the years. And so mixtape on my Apple Music is really like Compressed and roughed, like I did, like Mm. I downloaded it or got it from a friend or or something like that. Um, and so that song, I, as one of my top 10 like favorite awesome songs from that era, I think Mixtape is one of the greatest. It's greater than anything he did in something corporate. It's a fantastic song, but actually sitting down with the album and like really listen to it song for song, I have to admit, I think this was the first time I really like spent some time with it. And I'm sad that it took me so long because. That's a really great record. I, maybe I was just a little bummed about it not being something corporate. Cause I was a huge maybe. something corporate fan. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I just kind of didn't spend a lot of time with it. I loved the single also. And I apparently downloaded this single from like, you LimeWire or something. Cause it's a, it's not a great sounding <laughs> <laughs> MP3. We were, we were broken
0: in a band at the time. Well, my, okay. So mine is a little weird. I liked something corporate. You turned me on to something corporate Chris, like when I was still in high school, I'm pretty sure. Um, But I didn't love North when it came out. I liked a a couple of the songs on it, but I never loved the album. So then when they kind of, eh, like I said, they didn't really break up so much as they kind of slowly fell apart. Um, So I didn't hear of Jack's Mannequin either. And then our buddy that we were on tour with at one point was tour managing a band called The Hush Sound. And they were going to be Ooh. playing up in Tulsa and they needed a place to stay. So they stayed at my parents' house. And the next night they were playing Canes with Jack's mannequin. And I did not realize until night, this is just funny how memory works. They also played with Copeland and Daphne loves Derby, which is probably the reason I went to the show was to see yep. Copeland and Daphne loves Derby. Cause I liked both those bands. I didn't remember at all that those two bands played this show because I show up and obviously I've just met these Hush-tong, uh kids. They were great. Um, and and then, obviously, I'm sure I watched the other two bands, and they were good too. But then Jack's Mannequin came on, and freaking—I've never seen a front man, especially one chained to a piano, like like rock out on a piano. And keep in mind, like that's not as easy to do as it is with the guitar. You have you don't have a range of motion because the piano is large. Actually, he was not playing a real piano that night because something was wrong with it. He borrowed the girls, the girl from the Hush Sounds, uh, like digital one or whatever. So. Um, which is a weird that I remember that, but, um, but he's awesome. He's got the two mics set up and he's like all over it and he's jumping on top of stuff and he's, he's crazy. Um, and I remember specifically, like I remember specific songs. I know I've got the set list written down somewhere as before I had an iPhone. So I don't have it like in the notes app, but, um, I mean, I remember hearing dark blue and just being like, Oh my gosh, this song. I mean, I remember that. I remember La lee la, Li, la La Li, la, la Li, I don't know. Uh, into the airwaves, um, rescued. I mean, I remember him playing. I mean, he played most of this record. I'm sure because it was his their only record right. at the time. It's his only that's, material. So this is September 11th, 2006. I looked it up. Um, and that's the only reason I knew that Copeland and da- which I love Copeland by the way. It's crazy to me that I forgot that they played the show. Um, and it just blew me away. So I pretty much immediately went. I remember I downloaded it. We quickly went on tour after that, Chris, and I downloaded it some venue in like Iowa or something. And I had a bad Wi-Fi cause like back then didn't have cellular. I had to wait till I had Wi-Fi somewhere to download an album on iTunes. It took forever. Uh, this album is also responsible for me, um, ditching Apple music. Cause at one point I tried to play it on Apple music and it tried to play like the edited version of it. And I was like, I'm done with this Apple music experience. I have bought oh, this album crazy. and I can't even play the version I wanted to. Um, so anyway, I just like, I can't, um, same thing. I think I was a little bummed out by something corporate second one, which I like a lot more now than I did then it's, it's the whole album. Uh, that second one of something corporate is a grower, not a shower. Um, <laughs> and so, but man, this thing, like I said, I saw it live and there are, I can't think of a lot of other bands that I've seen live and a specific song hit me so hard that I remember it. And I remember like whatever the crowd singing along to it and stuff. um, and also that's the first time I had heard of, which is weird. I would thought I've heard of it, but he mentioned the whole thing about his, you know, sister giving a transplant because that was about a year after that had happened. And uh, so, yeah, it was just a, it was a great show. He's an amazing frontman. So I've seen I saw Jack's Manic in that one time that I've seen his new thing, Andrew Man in the Wilderness, a couple of times. He's just he's great. And last night was great. They played the whole album front to back. Uh,
1: this album we're talking about. It was great. It's as good as it was. One of the easiest ways for me to get Blake down here is just to tell him that Andrew's (laughs) playing. There's a show.
0: He's like, like, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Twice has been yeah, in Austin (laughs) with Chris. Uh, One time was in the rain and it was a great show. Um, So he always goes back and does some something corporate stuff, which I like. I like that he plays the whole catalog because really he is the guy. He's the creative force of all three of those groups. Um, And so I like that he plays the Jack's Mannequin stuff. He plays the something corporate stuff. We got to hear... uh, um, Oh, what they play last night. Um, woke up in a car. It was oh, awesome. Yeah. That song's so good. Um, but yeah, this album, I mean, it, it quickly became one of my, I mean, I just immediately loved it. I remember it being the, the album that I would, uh, when we were bored and have a couple days off and had somewhere we could chill out, I would get my MIDI keyboard out and try to learn the songs on piano. Um, so yeah, it was just, it was a, it was a huge one for me, uh, as far as, uh, that moment in time. It was, it was, is big time for me. So that was kind of my first impression, but it's weird that none of us really listened to this album straight through before we, something else caught our attention about it. Yeah. So for Kyle, it's a video at a, at a yet to be determined shoe store. Uh, for me, it was seeing them live without even intending to be there. Literally. I wouldn't have been there if the band that was opening for him wasn't staying at my right. house the day before. So it's, it's a, it's a pretty heavy coincidence that I, I mean, I'm sure I would have heard it eventually, but I'm very glad that I let that band stay at my parents' house and uh, and went to the show the next day up in Tulsa because uh, I I would would have been missing out and who knew that I'm I've really not seen someone rock out like that on a piano other than like Billy Joel that's the other person yeah. I can think of that just uh, is a is like a rock star behind a piano it's just yeah, it totally-
1: well if you think about it he won you over twice because you already liked his first band yeah yeah I already liked his not band not knowing having any clues and you liked him again you're like oh I wish I like would have seen literally something had corporate. to do twice the work just. He shouldn't have changed his name.
2: <laughs> yeah, and hey, yeah, I, weird thing. How deep? How deep did you dive on on this record, Blake? I mean, I
0: just kind of I wanted to look. I had a couple questions in my mind that I want to answer, so I wanted to answer like mm-hmm. the Tommy Lee thing. I wanted to know how that happened, and I just kind of went into the making of it, but not not a huge deep dive. No. Do you have a, a a tidbit?
2: Well, it's not a tidbit. It may be a misplaced memory. Like I'm trying. Well, I have some to of those figure too, so this out. It. And I and I tried to I tried to find this when we did uh, say anything as a real boy, but I distinctly remember reading. Do you guys remember the magazine? Um, I could be wrong. It was either Alternative Press or back in the day I read a music magazine called Blender that was yeah. made by Blender was great. It, yeah. Blender yeah. was great. I res-
0: Blender was an awesome magazine, and I'm it sad was. that it went the way of the. It,
2: it, it just it introduced me to a lot of stuff that otherwise I would I would not have found, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and it wasn't a pretentious and, music magazine, I felt
1: no. like.
0: It was a really fun music magazine, which yeah. was rare back then. I loved Blender as a great so
2: I, I read an article promoting this record, and um and Andrew said that he mentioned that Max was like one of the most brilliant songwriters he'd ever worked with. And, and I was like, what? And we talked on the Say Anything episode about how, like, everyone talked about he was a genius. And, like, you know, whether you got it at first or not, um, people talked about how, how genius Max was. Well, I, that was one of the things I looked into. And I'm pretty sure that he co-wrote one of the songs on the record there's just, I cannot find it. I cannot, I cannot Wait, find the info on it. Are you talking about
0: Andrew McMahon co wrote one of the songs on the Say Anything record or that? No, that Max no, wrote Max one of the songs Bemis. on this.
2: Yes. And like, I cannot find my physical album. It's at my house somewhere, but I believe it's in, yes, <laughs> dude. Yes. I've got it right in front room. of me. So I That's will... why I was asking.
0: I will look over that while uh, let's he see. He thanks
2: I believe he thanks him and says like well you're even in that he says something great about him in in the thank yous. And he I didn't he, def, he, he definitely didn't write a
0: song here because it's all songs written by Andrew McMahon. by the way uh, this is my favorite uh, credit by the way you know normally I don't know if everyone knows this when an artist from another label shows up on another album that's on a different label they always have to say this artist courtesy and then of the label because technically that's uh-huh. how they get around the contract stuff uh Tommy Lee is Tommy Lee appears courtesy of Tommy Lee <laughs> I don't know if that was just to be like no one owns me or something. But anyway, I thought yeah. that was a great credit. Uh, no. So, but I think Andrew McMahon is on the second, say anything record. Then maybe that's, maybe that's where I'm getting wires crossed Just flipped. I think yeah. we'll have to look that up, but I, I think that's the case. I think he was one of the guys that's on the second record. I'm almost for sure. Cause everyone okay. was on that. And I think that's probably what they're talking about when they worked with each other is that, um, Andrew McMahon was on the second, say anything record, but could be wrong know. about that too. um, yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of the first impressions and stuff. And then um, do we have any other kind of like general first album stuff that we need to get out of the way before we go track by track? Any other tidbits or questions that we have about the timeline of the record? Which could be wrong, like I said. Wikipedia find that whenever it is wrong all the time, I've, I've discovered. Um, any You know, anytime yeah. I actually know something about it, which I'm like, how do they cite a source? And then, so what's the source? Like, I know, like I said, he was headlining that tour that I went to. In 2006, and uh, they said he didn't do that till 2007, which is definitely not correct. But um, anyway, shall we go to track by track? Let's do it. Okay, so the first track, um, Holiday from Real, um, which is the, like I said, first track on Everything in Transit. Let's do it. But if
3: you left it up to me, every day would be a holiday. The sun. We our and say it's so much fun out here forward for out the
0: Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about, which is weird to me because um, I wanted to make sure I had the timeline right on this record, is that he wrote and recorded this whole thing before he figured out he had cancer. But the very first line of this whole right? album yeah. is she thinks I'm much too thin. She asks me if I'm sick. It's just yep. crazy to me. This whole album sounds like he already knows he has cancer and he doesn't.
1: Yep.
0: Um and uh that just blows me away because it makes it better almost. I don't know if that sounds weird. It's like um the fact that it's like you can see the evidence of it in the songwriting. I mean, he's literally writing lyrics about people say and he mentions doctors multiple times. And this is not like everything I've found about any kind of timeline says it's because he like was kind of losing his voice. And the doctor told him he should cancel, cancel the show so he wouldn't permanently do damage to his voice. And at that appointment did the blood work because he was so fatigued and stuff. So it wasn't like, like I said, I don't, there was no indication that he was going to be sick. Um, and like I said, that's the very first line, which is kind of haunting. And then I'm pretty sure according to the album that I'm holding up in front of me right now, uh, no one played drums on these, that these are programmed. Those sound really good for 2005 yeah. program drums, if I'm not wrong, because the piano and yeah. vocals, Andrew, guitar and bass, Jim Wirt, uh, Chamberlain, Patrick Warren, and programming, C.J. Erickson. So C.J. Erickson had done all the programming on every like kind of demo part they had done, and then they were like, no, let's have Real Drums on most of this. But this one, I mean, I never would have guessed those were programmed. So that's a fun yeah. tidbit. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on Holiday from Real?
1: Uh, well, yeah, I had the obvious notes that you had about the opening lyrics um is that crazy uh, yeah it is crazy so i guess after something corporate kind of was starting to fizzle out i guess he's like kind of back trying to figure out what his life's all about well and, so he'd broken up with his
0: girlfriend right, and then and moved, moved his back to life yeah and then got back together with her eventually and got married to her but right like so, this uh, album is uh, written in the breakup period of that right
1: yeah so there's some uh there's some mentions of you know once again the, the artistic struggle right these guys all seem to d- dance with the devil a little bit on some of these really great albums yeah <laughs> i mean the makes makes for their their pain for our pleasure i know thank you buddy appreciate you well and they <laughs> um, yeah
0: in the making of stuff it mentions that he was like um a obviously sick he didn't realize it at mm-hmm. the time but he was also like just like wasted for a day or yeah. two at a time making writing songs and making stuff and um, you know, I think he realizes that's,
4: uh,
0: <laughs> at some point he got over that or whatever, but at the time that's what was going on. Uh I also uh, want to give anything. a shout
1: out to Todd Robbins, who has a great blog about this song on his slipping into the airwaves blog from 2011. Um, I think we should put a link to this in the liner notes, Blake, yeah. uh, he, this this Todd Robbins started a blog about great emo songs in 2011. Uh, did about seven, and then took a hiatus in April of 2011. Uh, and that hiatus has now lasted nine years. He never came back. But oh, I will put. A, let's put a link
0: to it. I appreciate that he started something. He may not have had the. <laughs> is Todd okay? To
1: finish it. He, he was he, according to the blog. He he's going to Connecticut for his sister's wedding, and he's going to write the next one when he gets back. <laughs> so I don't know if the plane crashed or if he just super decided not to. super long wedding. Yeah. I hope <laughs> <But> that he's <laughs> not dead
0: and just got lazy about yeah. it for the sake of Todd Todd was it
4: Todd
0: yeah Todd and Todd yeah. also Todd, let the, us know
1: the the coincidence of the opening lines that's Isn't that crazy very very striking for a lot of people to hear this too so
0: I just assumed when I heard this album after hearing him talk about at the show that you know all, about all that had went on I assumed that he wrote this in the process of all that and then only later on found out that like that was not the case and that blew me away um
2: Kyle, what are your thoughts on "Holiday from Real"? Um, so the freaking pre-chorus kicks butt yeah. on this song. It's so good, right? <laughs>
0: it is so, so good. By the way, the show that Chris and I go to last night is a drive-in show. This is a brand new COVID thing for all of us, right? But we're like, why not try it? I've not been to a concert. I'm jonesing for one. We go. That's the only downside is that the like crowd participation is non-existent because you're like by your car. And it's just me and Chris and my daughter. And then like, no one's within 15 feet of us. Cause that's the whole point of it. It's social distance. So you don't feel good. Like yelling the song when you're like, you can hear your own voice
1: <laughs> more yeah. than the
0: speakers and stuff. So yeah. that's the problem. Cause that pre-chorus is a like, that's when you want to yell for sure. Dude, when you're all packed in it, and we did the last time we went to Austin in the rain, we were definitely yelling that line. Uh, Cause it's a great pre-chorus, Kyle. You're absolutely right. It,
2: it's, it's such a singable pre-chorus. You know what I mean? Like everybody can sing that pre-chorus. Not everyone's capable of singing that chorus. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. It's a great chorus. And right? and that's the other thing I was going to say, The the freaking, I mean, if you left it up to me, every day would be a holiday from real. Like I'm in, you know, I'm yeah. sold on it. That's, Good job dude, you just described me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like another uh,
0: great sort of like I'm in LA and um it's not as great as it's cracked up to be. Yep. <laughs> kind yeah, of yeah. whole song. I got song. those vibes too. Uh feels like those kind of vibes. Um let's go to the mixtape, which by the way, before we play the mixtape, can we talk about is it a mi- I always thought it was just a mixtape. No I ED agree. at the end. But this is spelled the mixed tape. I, is this agree, a man. is this a regional thing? Is this like how some people call it Coke and some people call it pop?
2: Uh, uh do some people I don't call know it like ever tape? called it. I always said it.
1: I never wrote it down. I, I always I
2: never it, added E D to yeah, it.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I always no? would thought it was okay. just a mixed tape. That sounds tape. right. Mix tape. I think it would call it like I made a mixed tape. Well Andrew mix, calls it a I'm mixed, mixed it
0: up the mixed tape, and that's what we're gonna
3: play now. You left when you broke into my house I'm retracing every step you made
0: Kyle, what are your thoughts on the mixed tape?
2: Uh, first, I am going to take a hard stance on it being M-I-X tape. Okay. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. You're in team mixed tape. Okay. Yeah, I am in team mixed tape. Uh, it's awesome. And, and uh, I didn't say, we didn't say this because we say it all the time, but like uh, uh, Holiday From Real what a kick butt opener, right? Like, yeah, from yeah. the beginning, you're in, and I feel like this was a great follow up track. Um, I'm still very much interested in where this is going to go, and also for me, it was really fun because I wasn't a huge something corporate fan. What I had heard of something corporate wasn't quite like this, and so I was just like, I, I was, I, I remember just being like, Man, have I been missing out? You know what I mean? Like, did you I just had been, did, ha, yeah, so I. <laughs> I was I was late to the party, but you know what? I I eventually showed up. That's okay. So. Better
0: late than never. Chris, what are your thoughts yeah. on the mixtape?
1: Yeah, well, it's definitely got some something corporate vibes. So if you're a fan of that band, you're like, yes, 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 yes. It's like a uh, you know, it's it's got it's got oh, that I, vibe. I for think sure. it's
0: the most something corporate song on this record. Oh yeah, yeah, for which sure. is funny that um, Kyle thought it was not. You know what I mean? I know that you weren't a big something corporate fan, but to me this right. th- this feels the most like something corporate. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah.
1: Chris. Uh, absolutely um like i said it's one of my all-time favorite songs uh background vocals are great the the lyrics in the chorus swimming through the stereo symphony of sound get that alliteration without sounding cheesy not an easy thing to do and i i gotta say the drum work is um tommy lee just like has this way of like kind of staying in the pocket but still just like kicking so much butt um blake said we're not allowed to swear so i'm being really careful it's only but, because it's yeah. just, it kicks just, me right in the tush um. for spoiler alert it's sunday night at
0: 11 o'clock and then we got to release it's this the, tuesday morning which means i've got to edit Sabbath, between Chris. now and then just to let you know a little peek behind the curtain how the wizard works normally we record um, these much earlier but we wanted to do it after the concert
1: uh yeah but i uh, uh yeah, i i think that having him play, drum, having a great drummer on the song, I, I, you know, some, as somebody plays drums, like we don't usually make this song. We're not usually that that impressive part of the uh, the of the music making process. Um, Neil Part, Travis Barker, there are exceptions to this rule, right? But yeah. you know, this song was made better by the fact that um, you could tell that, that that they were having a lot of fun making it, and it's a it's a it's a banger. Uh, it a
0: banger. It's also interesting that that means. I mean, they did all the drums after they had recorded everything else for the most part. Which is different than normal, so it means Absolutely. he was really actually having to like be way more
1: fitting to what was already there, which I think takes a very good drummer.
0: Because that's I, even I never Thought
1: of Tommy Lee as a great drummer until I heard he played on this record. I think that flipped me for for it. Like I was like, oh, he's just really good. Like yeah. it's not that I, I just hadn't put a lot of thought into it, you know? Because Molly Crew is like Molly Crew, like you're, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just a very specific style. But to see him, you know, kind of Dave Grohl it and just like pop into this other band and like just nail it, I was. In that's the impressive. interview I watched so, with
0: Andrew talking about Tommy Lee, he just said that he like clearly just like loves music. And that's all he yeah. loves to do and he loves it and he loves new stuff and he's like more up to date with what's going on than anyone else he knew. Um and so I mean I think it shows. Uh Kyle, what were you gonna say?
2: Well, I was gonna say Tommy Lee is actually one of the first people that uh first label interactions I had with anyone where someone told me one of the one of those dreaded stories that, like a record that you loved, the the band didn't play on it, you know. And for the first time, I found out, like, what? Uh, apparently, Tommy Lee is is the dude that like they built their first record, Motley Crue's first record on. Like, no one else uh, was super efficient at at what they played, what? and. <laughs> He was he was the dude they built the record around.
1: He's the glue of Motley he's Crue. He's
2: the gl- he's the glue to the crew, bro. <laughs>
1: That's crazy. I'd never yeah. heard that in my life oh, I've and that heard is that either. not shocking at all.
2: Yeah.
0: That's interesting. Um,
2: I mean, if anybody's going to be if any if if anyone's going to be great, I, I I feel like the drummer being great is uh is, you know, pretty fortunate of them.
0: Well, oh. you need that part to be good for anything to possibly be good. I mean, that's just, well, especially facts. in the
1: eighties. Like you can't really fake the yeah. drums. Like you can't, ex- no, I, didn't exactly. know, I didn't know anyone
0: faked anything in the eighties. It was uh, a little harder to, I mean, it, there was just such a, everyone was such a good musician back then. So that's surprising. Hey, is it cliche, Kyle? You tell me, is it cliche for, cause I, okay. I feel like the lyrics of this song make me feel exactly what I did when I made mixtapes for anyone, it's like, you're trying mm. to convey something or whatever. And like, I just think the lyrics are so good at that. Is it cliche for this to then be, or is it meta or something like that for this to be a mixtape must? Cause if you put this on a mixtape, would that be
2: like two <laughs> on the nose? It's it's definitely meta, but I'm not I'm not going to tell you that you can't, and I don't disagree with you. The only it's the not only... a must,
0: maybe, but it would be a cool song to put on a mixtape at least. It right? would
2: be a cool song to put on mixtape, and the only reason the only reason I think I'm not just going to give you the mixtape must on this that's is because fine. I believe there is another mixtape must. I believe I'm with you
0: on that too, actually. So that's okay. why I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna, yeah, it's not the must maybe, but it would yeah. be cool to put it on a mixtape at least if nothing else. So. Yeah. Uh, let's go on to the track three, which is Bruised.
3: It's what's playing through the in-flight radio.
0: I know, I know it's weird that I didn't pick a really chorus there, but I'll tell you why in a second. Chris, what are your thoughts
1: on bruised? First of all, Kyle, what do we call that hi hat thing again? You have a special name for it, and I forgot it. Super sexy hi hat beat. You call it something when they do that. Yeah, the syncopated uh, hi hat beat. You call it something. Yeah, I, my brain's not working, guys. Oh no. All right, well, we, are you we talking about the
2: circus, the circus monkey sex beat? That's it. That's, That's it. it. Okay
0: uh which is unfair uh I remember same thing from that show him saying this one's dancing and like he starts the song yeah. I'm like it's not dancing and then he gets to that I'm like, oh it is kind of dancy. and I can see why he had some of these songs that were like didn't this wouldn't have fit something corporate at all you know yeah, uh, yeah. well
1: any so so anyway aside from the circus beat um uh, th- this song like oh. super grew on me I actually listened to it three times in a row while I was like researching this record because Um, of how striking the lyrics and the mood were uh the electronic drums with the acoustic drums work really well together not easy to pull off done very well here and then this lyric that just hit me like a ton of bricks some sometimes perfection can be perfect hell um i was like oh my gosh i i can i something i could just relate to so well and not only that but like okay so first of all to just look at that lyric and just like put yourself in that mood like we're um you know people with anxiety like mental problems too sometimes they struggle with the fact that like it, it, when everything feels really great and perfect like you almost like want something to be messed up or you want you do something self-destructive to get your way out of it but then for him to write that lyric knowing that like his life was about to take this crazy turn it's like eerie man i'm He thinks the worst part of his life right now is a breakup he thinks the worst part of
0: his life right now is a breakup yeah, exactly. And he—he's have leukemia man. in a couple
2: months. Kyle, what are your thoughts on Bruce? So, I, I mean, I think we'll probably find this as a theme in the album. But I, I, this is another one that, like, I just took at face value and literally, and I'm, I, and I assumed that it wasn't just about a girl. I assumed that he knew that he had leukemia and that, like, that's some of what this was. And I, my mind is blown that he didn't. Isn't that nuts? It, cha- it changes the song for me it's still a great song also uh I mean I feel like I'm gonna keep talking about the the leukemia thing but just a side note about the song itself, I love how different the the verses are. it's like mm-hmm. it's just got such a cool weird feel to it um, and and um it's a great chorus but like again I am shocked to find out I was certain that this specific song was like, you know, Super bummed, got cancer, uh, not feeling great. And I can't believe it's not about that. Um,
0: I think that this record is really, I think the first two something corporate records um, had some, they were good songs. and And for the most part, I can't think of a ton of, there are some good lyrics for sure. But I think this is the one where he really got good at it. At writing lyrics. And, and often you can't tell what a whole song is about maybe, but there's a line in every part of every song. So every verse, every pre-chorus, every chorus, every bridge has at least one line where you're like, Oh my gosh, that line mm-hmm. describes how I feel about something. Like you yeah. may not even feel the same way as the rest of the song, but you're right. That perfection line is like that for me, oddly enough, the line that I just like gravitate towards is the, the whole the, the reason I played that verse about like being on the plane and hearing the song in the in flight radio, is because I remember that like clear as day. I was flying to New York one time, and Rocket Man by Elton John came on that in flight radio. Keep in mind, we didn't have iPods. I didn't have any other like way to play music. You that was your entertainment. There was n- there's nothing else. You had like nine stations. I remember. It was you those stupid like stethoscope things you plugged in your ears, <laughs> and and Rocket Man is playing as we take off. I mean that is like it felt like I was in a movie, you know? And then it played again when we landed. I can't, (laughs) I can't make it up to you. And so this, that verse just reminds me of that every time I hear it, of like it being the perfect song for the moment. And obviously his is more talking about, you know, staying in wherever he was, not going to California after the breakup or whatever. Um, But that's just what it takes me back to. And I just think that's cool that like, obviously we don't have the same experience, but he can write these lyrics that are just, and, and you had a different one than I did. In this song, as far as like that related to you. And I feel like he's so good at that. I feel like yep. that's why he's um he's been successful. So professional um, music man. Yeah, he's very good at it. So uh let's go to I'm ready. If I can cue up my thing. Here we go. I'm ready. I'm ready to Kyle, I'm ready. I was not ready for I'm ready. Did you notice that, by the way? I I, I did notice.
2: (laughs) I noticed you were questioning your readiness. I was. That's That's irony. That's Um, actual irony. I I I dig it. And one thing I really like that he does, uh, and and I don't think it's exclusive to him. He just he just uh, he thinks of melody differently than I do, Mm -hmm. and and like uh, so. What when what he's singing on that chorus there, it's I would never think of it in a million billion years. Me neither. And I think
0: it's I think it's him playing piano that does it. I really do. Yeah. Because he I feel like he sings like you would play the lead yeah. part of a piano part.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and 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 like I said, I don't think he's the only person that I've heard do that, but it is it is so like I guess I'm not including him in in this in like pop punk genre but because of something corporate because of drive through records he's kind of like you know in the same file cabinet in my brain with that stuff and so because of that it's really special to hear someone do something like that because on that on that part that you just played the background vocal yep. is far more like what you would hear in a song like this this for the chorus main melody than what he's actually singing like Uh, but it's, it's awesome. And it, and it works, you know, uh, I I really love the way that he, I really love the way that he attacks melody. And, and it's, I, more than I love it, I think I, I respect it because I can't do it like that. And it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I think one thing that Jim
0: were the producer and guy that played guitars on it, um, did well, which is not easy. Guitars and piano compete in the same frequency range. So it's not normally very easy if you have heavy guitars to Hear the piano at all, which is a uh, um, I think was a downside to something corporate sometimes, is the piano just got buried with a couple other guitarists, you know, on top of it. Uh, I feel like this album did a much better job of like this song is like got some pretty chunky guitars going on it, but the what the parts that the piano are playing and the guitar are playing are not competing with each other in a way that the piano is never buried. Um, and so I think that's a testament to. I mean I'm sure it's a little bit of both. I mean, but um cuz Jim did the other two something corporate records. So it's but I mean I'm sure that's a different situation where it's like you've got a band that's a group of guys and you're trying to like not make it be the Andrew show and let the guitarist have right. their day whereas like on this record it's like he's the guitarist and the producer so he can dial it back if he feels like it needs to be dialed back and he's not hurting anyone's feelings. I don't know if that was what the key was there, but to me, this is a good example of a song that I think the piano would just have been buried if it was a something corporate song. Yep. Chris, you have any notes on uh on that you guys
1: didn't touch on? Just uh, I think this probably speaks to Kyle's point, but man, Andrew's got some pipes. Like this this song, yes. performing this song is w- w- is not for the faint of heart. Like that is that's not something an average singer could yeah. pull off let alone yeah. a good singer like and uh yeah it's not Very just well how sung.
0: high the notes are it's that he's jumping all around to yeah uh,
2: yeah but, and but... actually chris you you've pointed it out that's that's also why i don't write melody like that
1: <laughs> no 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 no
2: cuz i cannot sing.
1: sing it well the the fact that he's carrying that melody all through the, it's like three words, right? But he's like carrying yeah. the melody all the way through it's and awesome. just like piping it out. And at, I mean, great. we just saw him last night. Like he still pulls it off to this day. He's almost 40 years old. It sounds uh, great. So he is one year and one month older than me, by the way, guys. So not quite birthday buddies. Yep. He's exactly Ooh. four months younger than me and Blake. So, uh, sorry, me and what? Kyle. Yeah. Uh,
0: let's go to La 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 I don't know. What do we call it? La La probably. I think that's what it is. Here we go.
3: Guess what I'm done, writing the songs, far too unstable to settle, I doubt that the doctors are wrong, so i wait by a palm tree.
0: how good this song is oh okay,
3: okay. i was like wrong? <laughs> kyle
2: what, what is uh what's your notes on this so i have questions about this song one you mentioned did he write this one after okay so diagnosis? yeah okay
0: yeah so let's do some history stuff so the the when he gets signed to maverick they come back and say hey we would like you to have another song and the two songs he adds to it he re, kind of rearranges the album and gets la 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 and into the airwaves in there so this was not on the original thing. Now that doesn't mean that it was the whole album they'd given. I assume there may have been some other song that ends up dropping or something. Cause like I said, yeah. that would be eight tracks. Yeah. Um, unless he was splitting made for each other and breathe into two songs at the time, which right. is now just one track. I don't know exactly. And I could not never find anything on that, but yeah, so this is not on the album. And when Maverick is like, Hey, we need another song. He writes this and into the airwaves and this song is one of the songs i heard at that concert that i was just like oh my gosh that this that's an amazing song and everyone's singing it and you know just to be able to be in that crowd and everyone else is singing those parts while i'm listening i mean that's it's cra- i mean it was is magical for sure anyway so, yeah so he so does not know my he
2: has cancer. My note is my my absolute favorite thing about this song is and it's so eerie to me that you already mentioned this on the podcast. Is the melodic reference to Rocket Man while speaking about a spaceman that can't get high? Yeah. I yeah. freaking love that, yeah. dude. Like, it's <laughs> it because it, I mean, that's such an awesome song, right? Uh, but like, what is that even an homage? Like, what do you call that? Like, when, when you reference something, but you like freaking kick in a different way but doing it yeah like just well i mean you, surely that's what he's doing right that's oh, intentional it, it right? can't not
0: be i mean i don't i can't yeah. find any documented evidence but you can't be a piano player rock and roller and not like billy joel and elton john i don't think it's legal right i don't think it's allowed well
2: and <laughs> i mean mentioning a spaceman and and and, it's, and it's, mimicking yeah. that melody like yeah. there's just no way that's not on purpose it's not listed anywhere because legally. <laughs>
4: right.
0: Yeah. And it's not more. It's got to be like seven notes. And it's yeah. not seven notes for you to get into but like
2: legal. Such trouble, an I awesome. Think. Such an awesome part of the song. So, Chris. And what, a great song. Chris, what Love are your it.
1: thoughts on La La yeah, uh, Yeah. You guys already said it. And I just. It's got the California beach vibes. It makes you just want to yes, sit, that's sit it. by the water, listen to the waves yeah. come in. Um, and uh, it, that, the. The shuffle he brings in that uh, on this song, um, just very very well played. It's uh, the the cats that he had pl- playing on this record, like the, the shuffles, just it's just not it's not the easiest thing to pull off and make it sound well. Uh, really, just really great. I mean, unless you're just a really talented musician, so uh, I I appreciated that the musicianship a lot on this song, and it just being very poppy and just really sing alongable.
0: Yeah, I feel like it is. Um this is maybe a weird thing. I've always felt like this is like our not generation. That's not the right, that's not the right word, but like as far as two thousands, punk rock kind of emo thing, like this is our friends in low places by Garth Brooks. Although that's also our song. Cause we're from Oklahoma. <laughs> right. right. Uh, but this feels like that. It's like a great, just hang out. And the, the line about I'll back to my girl by July. I mean, that's such a good, like I said, he's just really good at making a phrase and it's like, yeah, I just love it. I mean, it's such a good song, and I'm so glad that, like, you just, you hear about this all the time where someone, like, at the last minute writes a song for an album that, like, I just don't, this album without this and those other two songs is not, it's still good. Those other songs are great, but, like, without these three, it's just not the same.
1: I know, and, but sometimes, like, great songwriters, when they're put under pressure like that to just yeah. spit something out, sometimes that's when it's some real magic, because they get out of their own heads, yep. and they just make something yep. cool. And again, uh, we've
0: mentioned this several times on the podcast, where a label says, like, hey, we need a single, and I, I couldn't find anything that said, like, that's what they were saying. It sounds like they just said, like, hey, we feel like you need yeah, just like, to fill it up a little. It feels like there's yeah. another song that needs to be in here. Um, so, I mean, it doesn't sound like it was a bad working, r- it sounds like every, I mean actually more than any podcast we've done so far, it sounds like the relationship with the label was actually great. I mean, uh, and and, to be fair, he had the power to do so. He made the record himself so he could take it to anyone he wanted to. Um, oh, that's
1: right. That's right. Because he did that. In, he I, owned I forgot it, yeah. he did the initial. Investment. He owned it. He, yeah. So I mean, he owned it, and he got out of his Gaffin deal. As far as what to a do chunk this. of change for a 22 year old, by the way. that, dude, that took so, that that took some balls to be like, yeah, um, that's, that's impressive. A lot of his money. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Um, so maybe. Yeah.
2: Are you sure? Can you check your notes? Was it uh, forty thousand doll hairs? <laughs> it might have I believe been it was doll exactly hairs. that. Yes. Yeah, actually,
0: yeah, that's right. He had a doll collection. Yeah. Um, let's go to Dark Blue, another song that was not originally on the uh, the album. Here we
3: go. tell me how anybody thinks under this condition so I'll swim, I'll swim as the water rises up sun is sinking down and now all I can see are the planets in a row suggesting it's best that I slow down this night's
1: Chris, thoughts on dark blue? Uh, that song still gives me goosebumps every time I hear. Every, it. I literally have them right now. I'm not just trying to like yep. be dramatic for for the podcast. Um, also, love the you know when it, the something corporate vibes are back one more time. Like thank you. <laughs> but um, uh, not Tommy Lee, but the drums great, um, sound great on this song. At least I don't think it's their Tommy Lee. It's um, it's not because this yep. so
0: this one they um, they end up doing. Um, it, like I mentioned at the beginning of it they, they have the whole album basically in the can it's not mastered yet um, but they he writes this song and I guess they're like we gotta get this on the record and they, yeah <laughs> so good so this is May that they record this song they mastered it at the end of the May so I mean it was the last yeah. thing I did and so uh, Jay McMillan is playing
1: drums yeah. on it I think Tommy Lee's in the video right though isn't he I, I, I'll have to go back and watch the video I think Tommy Lee's I, I in the video um, um, also uh, enough words for two or three songs by the way and that's very wordy song. And, and boy, howdy. He, he got them all out last night. He still can do it. I love it. <laughs> he can. And he's like doing the alternate thing on the recording,
0: but he's like rocking the whole, those verses are wordy for sure. Um, I It was so hard to pick 30 seconds of this song because I, mm-hmm. I agree, Chris, the whole thing gives me goosebumps. Mm-hmm. The bridge, you know, it's hard for me not to do the bridge, but I was like, I really need to get the dark blue chorus in there because mm-hmm. it's such a good chorus. But the bridge is is one of the best uh, as a guy that loves all the bridges, this is one of the good ones. I mean, it, it is literally goosebumps every single time. I mean, it's on my yep. little goosebumps playlist uh, that I've got in Spotify. You have um,
1: a, you have a goosebumps playlist. That's pretty cool. That's a good uh, idea. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's just, yeah. Just the songs that basically make me every time. And it's, by the way, it's I want weird...
1: one callback when Kyle was talking about doll hairs. Um, I was picturing Andrew, uh, Combing a doll's hair, like telling me it's all going to be okay. You know, they, I think I wrote some really good songs. I think it's going to be a good investment. I'm so sorry, Princess Guys, gonna I'm going to
2: have to get rid of 40,000 of you. 40,000 of these beauties. Kyle. So I only
1: got goosebumps after I got that vision out of my head. Uh, Kyle, what, what are your thoughts on Dark Blue? So uh,
2: I'm with you guys. It is. It is such a good song. We've talked uh, on past episodes about, like, if we had, like, this mega mix or, like, top songs of the genre. This one, this one for me, man, like, I am immediately transported when I hear it to, like, driving around in a car with, like, the windows down. It's nighttime. I'm blasting it. Um, And one of the coolest things, like, you, you guys both said goosebumps, and it absolutely is a goosebumps song. Um, not to be confused with with an R.L. Stein Goosebumps song. <laughs> no, but, that's different. Um, Neither that the is living, different. But, living dummy. But uh, but for me, like, um, I I was not a something corporate fan, and honestly, I really really hated the song. If you see Jordan, I thought it was like, I just didn't. I it's not my favorite I of theirs. I, I so didn't I like you. it, and I didn't like the lyrics. Oh. And then, like, to put this album on, and even now, like it hits me so hard, the line, "Have you ever been alone in a crowded room again, when I'm here with you. The world could be burning down, and like That's such a good line not, it is such a good line, and when I heard this, I was falling in love with who is now my wife, and like when when people write good songs like this like. I don't know. Like, there's something. There's something about someone writing a song so good that, like, you feel like they understand you. I know that sounds backwards and weird, or it feels
0: like you could have written it. I mean, as songwriters, you're like, this is exactly what I've been trying to say, and I could never
2: do it. I know. Yeah, I know exactly what he means, and in this weird way, like, I feel a kinship with him. Like, I know what this dude is feeling. I know what he's talking about, and it's like it is the most beautiful thing about music when when stuff like that happens, and this song is that. And, and I think it's so well-written. I think it's why you guys are talking about Goosebumps. I think mm-hmm. anybody that knows the song would say that it's a wonderful song, that it makes them feel that way, because he found a way to put perfectly into words what so many people can't and and connect with us, the listener.
0: Uh, so. it, it's a perfect song for sure. And I remember, yeah. again, at that show, like being in the crowd, not knowing this song at all, and hearing everyone singing those lines about being alone in a crowded room, you're just, I mean, it was, you're just, like I said, it left like, a serious impression on me.
2: Not not to, sound, like, not to sound stupid, but it's this is like one of those songs that you go, dude, I get to be alive while this song is out. You know what I mean? Like, I get to be Whoa. alive and hear this. Yeah, and it's that's, weird. that's pretty That's an cool. epic,
1: epic thing to say about a song, man. That's high praise. I love it.
2: It's a good one.
1: He calls this record a coming of age record, which
0: it absolutely is. I mean, because yeah. obviously he was going through so much at the time and it's him, you know, leaving this band, having this breakup, eventually marrying her. So I mean, it's definitely like a, that period of time is hugely important in his life. And I just feel like I was at that exact same age too. So it like it, it was, and like I said, then I, I get cancer two years later. So this record's like a whole oh. different level of. Of uh, again, like you're. It's weird to me that he wrote this whole record and didn't know he had cancer. But then I get it, and you're like, this record takes to another level for me. Um, but yeah, this is this is that song. This and La La Lie are the ones that like were. I mean, that sealed it for me at that show. As far as like, and to me, those are just like, um, yeah, they're they're perfect songs. I mean, I, I can't say enough about them. And uh, and I just it, for him to have been. Barely older than me and writing the songs, I'm like a little insanely jealous of it <laughs> because, uh I mean, he just he just had the right thing going on whenever he was writing this. So
2: kudos Blake, to can, Andrew. Blake, can I just say that I'm glad that you and Andrew are both okay? Yeah,
0: we're both fine. Yeah. yeah. And his no, was much news. worse than mine. Leukemia is a different animal than uh, uh, what Still. I had. so. Uh, We won't get into the details. Uh, No one wants to know. Not (laughs) necessarily. But you all know what's going on. All right, let's go to Miss Delaney. what are your thoughts on Miss Delaney?
1: I'm just pissed that he got found a way to get a theremin on a song. That's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, we all we all dreamed of it. We didn't think we could pull it off. We're not Brian Wilson. And he was like, I can do it. I, and then talk about the Beach Boys in the song. That's um, true. Oh, I never caught that. Yeah, yeah It yeah. does <laughs> have a theremin and talks about the Beach Boys. Yeah. God, yeah, that is so. perfect. How did I not
0: catch that until just now?
1: Yeah. Was this a song, Blake, that he mentioned that his wife didn't like? Yes, but
0: did you did you understand why? I, I, did I he say quite. it was I think it was about a girl in between. Yeah, her I think that's what I was getting. I think that's what, too. so don't quote me. Yeah, He mentioned at the concert that his wife doesn't like this song or when he plays this and he's like, just like in the back flipping off. But he was like, but she's not here tonight. <laughs> so And she was like, and I got to play the whole record. Uh, and I think that's what he said uh, is that like, I think it was about a girl kind of after the breakup, uh, right. but not her. And so, um, but you know, that's kind of part of, you know, being with a musician, I guess. Uh, so oddly, it's, it's actually a, it's a Moog or a Moog, whatever you want to call it. So not a theremin, I don't think. And it's Patrick oh, it's not Warren really playing theremin.
1: it. Well, but it was definitely emulating that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sound for though, sure. Right? I okay, mean, yeah, okay. for
0: sure. So, um, and, and Patrick Warren played it. So, um,
2: yeah, uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on, uh, on Miss Delaney? I dig the song. I love how kind of like, it feels kind of sweet, even though it's not. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, it does feel I also, sweet though. Cause it feels like a Beach Boys I, song kind of. You're yeah. right, Chris. That's a great. Well, well, and I also really love, uh, i love an imperfectly stacked vocal on someone that can sing perfectly well if they want to yeah and so i i really dig that stacked vocal um it's an awesome song love the melody he's uh he's a rock star
0: i agree um i i don't have any specific thoughts on this other than just i like the song um it's got a great feel to it and um and yeah it's it's good and I, again it's got some great lines in it i mean just like there's not a song on this record that doesn't have at least one line that I just go, God, that's so perfect. I wish I would have written that, but
1: I didn't shocker. Um, let's go to, <laughs> let's, let's go. That's, to the, k- that's everyone's takeaway. It should be that Blake did not definitely did not write this song. I'm definitely, yeah. Super jealous of all these songs. Okay. Let's go to kill the messenger. <laughs>
0: Kyle, what are your
2: thoughts on uh, "Kill the Messenger"? I like the I like this song a lot, and again, I'm just I. This is one of those songs where I was convinced that this had something to do with his health, and um, I can't believe that he didn't know he had cancer yet. So, he's got a good
0: space theme going on in so many songs. I mean, he's literally got space a song. and doctor. Yeah, like, but throughout
1: Gemini. this,
2: and even, on, <laughs> it's Dr. Spaceman. Um, <laughs> most most astronauts are doctors, right?
1: Absolutely. Well, I yeah, guess You so. do one or the other, never in the same order, but yeah. Um,
0: yeah. But, you know, he talks about space in this song. He obviously has a song called Space uh, from something corporate, second record, uh, Spaceman That Can't Get High. So, I mean, it's, he's got a space thing going. Uh, Cecilia in the Satellite is Andrew Man in the Wilderness a uh, song about his daughter uh so the guy has a thing about space for sure um it's a it's a common <laughs> lyrical thing that he comes
2: back to um i would love to know I, pick his brain and figure out what what I, that's all about i also really like the outro line the i'm gonna send a little rain your way i, I think that's just like a nice feel good vibe you know Yep, and I love
0: the, uh, and get to church because you're a good girl and he never told you that. And the switch on the chorus to the next chorus versus I never told you that and the next uh-huh. one was he never told you that. I, I really like that lyric. Um, I love that's one of my favorite things that people do is the slight lyric change. Yeah. It changes mm-hmm. the meaning of it. It's like one word change, but it changes what the chorus means. Um, I like that. Chris, what are your thoughts on uh, Kill the Messenger?
1: Yeah, same vibes as you guys have. The bridge is just super uplifting and hopeful and, um, they put some kind of cool effects on the piano i, I, I like you're the audiophile producer guy but uh was it like a kind of like a snappy reverb at the beginning something kind of interesting happened with the piano I, anyway i really liked it and then uh, bringing the sitar in once again i'm just I'm, I'm always stoked when you bring these crazy instruments in and make it sound seamless with the rest of the record it, it's not it's not like oh this is the sitar song but like it's in right, there and right, it right. sounds really cool
0: which i assume is a lot of Jim at the producer, um, going like, "Hey, I've got some ideas, and let's do a real sitar on this." Which, by the way, most people just use a pedal that makes their guitar sound like a sitar, but this is a legit sitar. So, uh, a cool one of those things that it either works really well or it does not at all. There's no happy medium when you put a no, sitar. No, exactly. On your
1: when you when you, yeah, you go full throttle. You bring it or you don't bring it. Yeah, you can't. Um, and
0: I think part of it is because you're like you're going. Full Beatles, you know what I mean? It's like because yeah. they're the first people that did it, and so there was like, I mean, I say the first people, I mean the first people that weren't Indian that did it. You know, I mean, like in
1: right, Aerosmith has some tunes with it, and Tom yeah. Petty does, and when yeah. it it's it's for epic rock gods, not you know yeah. former something corporate lead singers. But That's why great. I was and it's very perfect impressed.
0: At the and it's a different way than I've ever heard someone use a sitar too. In the well, okay, not completely because Jimmy World kind of does it. On 23 but I think that's just the pedal version of a sitar that's like the dan electro pedal doing the sitar thing but that's kind of the similar vibe in the sense that um it's it works really well in that kind of like uh this is kind of a mid-tempo balladish kind of thing like a kind of a sentimental um it, it fits really well which is uh it's an interesting uh, instrumental choice for that so let's go to rescued <laughs> This is specifically the song that he introduces at that show and mentions the thing about his sister giving him the transplant and all that stuff. Um, and again, it's insane to me that he did not write this knowing he had cancer. I mean, it's, he talks about this may be my last song. I mean, it's crazy to me. It doesn't make any sense hmm. um, how, how um, sort of foretelling it is uh, about what ends up going down. Uh, It's such a sweet song. Uh, But uh, guys, not to ruin the perfectly sweet song that happened, but I literally am listening to this on the drive back from Austin today and then doing um, dictated notes uh, Uh into my phone. So do you guys want to hear the dictated note for this one? Yeah, (laughs) I I love that. Okay, so the dictated note is, I really love how the Trump scope from the (coughs) real shock to the snare, it's just a cream.
2: (laughs) It is just a cream. And what, uh, yeah, spoken beautifully. Uh, I what couldn't I, agree more.
0: What I really said was I love where the where the drums go from that rim shot clicking to the thick snare in the chorus. It's a dream. <laughs> just, <laughs> <laughs> and Siri did not do well on that one. I mean, literally, I, you know. Siri did um, you dirty on that idiot, one. Siri's trying to get political. I wasn't. Well, uh, where Siri, does when, Trump I, when I get excited,
1: up? she does not transpose what I'm saying very well I feel like Uh, I was was talking political and sexual I know it really tried to
0: get both at the same time which is uh pretty gross uh so that's my that's my (laughs)
2: dictated (laughs) dictated note Kyle what are your thoughts on rescued dude uh I also cannot believe it like I just was convinced that this song was about cancer yeah I mean I'm blown, and maybe, maybe I should just stop being so, uh, <laughs> and by the way, I mean, I think so it's obvious that you can't, literal. you
0: don't have leukemia and feel great. I mean, I think he probably had some health problems. There's no doubt, you know, but like he obviously did not, there was no, it, this was not on the radar at all for him. So, I mean, I assume that he was not feeling great and stuff like that. And maybe there was some other stuff going on and obviously he broke up with his girlfriend and stuff. I don't think he was like in a great, awesome
2: place at this point either, but yeah, it blows me away, Kyle. Yeah. Well, in like, okay, in particular, the, the part, cause he kind of, he does, he does the changing of words. Like he uses the same words on this song quite a bit through, throughout, but changes the story a little bit. Yep. You know what I mean? And in particular, the, and, oh and oh, uh, say you'll miss me one last time. Yeah, I'll be strong. Whatever you do, please don't get me rescued. Like I, th- I was convinced that that was like a, ca- a, a cancer thing. You know what I mean? Like. And it's interesting. Saying goodbye to it's him? interesting
0: to me that he writes this song, records it, figures out he has cancer. His sister gives him a transplant, and then he's like dedicating this song in the shows. I don't think like I think it's a great example of sometimes you can write a song and it means something completely different to you later than it did when you wrote it. I think oh that's, yeah, absolutely. I think clearly yeah, he feels the same way about this. This is me yeah. guessing. Why would you dedicate this to your sister? if it's not, like, you feeling like, holy crap, like, she, like, literally rescued me, you know? I mean, like, you can't not... The the meaning of the song changes at that point for him, and or at least I can see how that would happen. I'm putting words in his mouth, but not completely, because he said as much,
2: sort of, at that concert. Don't trust my memory completely. I I know he dedicated this song to her, but... To be fair to us, it's not like... It's not like it's much of a stretch, if us knowing that he had leukemia you know what I mean? And he's talking about feeling sick and someone not saying goodbye and, and missing him. And then don't get me rescued. It's like, I don't, I guess I, f- I feel kind of silly for not knowing, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what? I feel like it was an honest mistake.
0: Uh, you're probably right. No, I don't know. No. Chris, what are your anyway. thoughts on, uh, on, on rescued?
1: Uh, I uh, I I like it when he hangs out in that kind of lower register. Uh you don't get to hear that side of his voice very often. Yeah. And um he's good at it though. Oh no, it sounds great. And the string arrangement on the song is freaking crazy good. Like this yep. every every song on this record just has like this like these little pieces. I I I just always really appreciate when you could tell that the artist, producers and all the folks working on the record like spent a lot of time making um, each each song like a piece of music with with special attention not just like playing the same trick you know pulling the same tricks out for every song you know different effects or different things like they, they spent some time with the string arrangement of the song you can really tell it's really beautiful
0: it's all sampled too patrick horn did all the no kidding samples yeah on the wow. string stuff it sounds great i wouldn't have thought Man, that he either. would sound
1: so cool with like an orchestra you know like Dude, metallica style no leaf clover
0: well, or let's let's go let's go Binfold style instead. Folds is a better, um, probably a better example. Um, yeah, it's a really really beautiful song, and he's good at that kind of chill thing. Um, but he likes rocking out. I think is the reason we don't ever get full albums of these kind of songs. That's my guess, anyway. Because um, he, he does like to rock out, but he does a great like slow song too. So uh, it's rescued. Let's go for. Oh gosh, this one was impossible, guys. Uh, yeah, I know. Made for each he other. He didn't make it
1: for easy for you, did he? <laughs>
0: yeah. So MFEO slash part one, made for each other, and then part two, you can breathe. Um, I, I I
1: wondered if you were going to split them. Me too. I was wondering the same thing.
0: Okay, let's play the clip and then we'll talk about it. Here we go, uh, <laughs> because you'll see what I you'll see what I tried to do. Um, I cheated. Here we go. <laughs> cheated in the sense that I did a slightly longer clip than we normally do because I really yeah. wanted to get the first part and the second part in the same thing. I didn't want to do two clips because it really is like one song. I know it's two but it like it's such a great transition between the two of them um, and uh, I couldn't split it. I wanted to because there's there are too many parts of this song that are great. The made for each other part is again like a super fun kind of Beach Boys-esque hangout California kind of feel and I love it and then the you can breathe stuff is i mean it talk about uh, again a great just simple lyric that's so great you just want to scream it at the concert um so i kind of that's that's the 38 seconds instead of the normal 30 second clip uh we would do because I, I just had to um i had to do it uh Kyle
2: what are your notes on mfeo slash uh, part 2 it's It's awesome. It's so it is so freaking awesome. MFEO. I remember like I somehow found maybe it's in the liner notes. I don't know. But like I knew that it was made for each other. Yeah. Well, no, no, it's called it's called
0: MFEO slash part one. In parentheses, made for each other. So it says okay, "made okay. for each other" right next to MFEO. I think it's just, yeah. yeah so, it's a shorthand thing. So
2: I remember reading it and thinking, "What a dork!" And then hearing <laughs> it and being like, "Dude, that is an awesome song." <laughs> like uh, he he can be as dorky as he wants. Um, man, I I love it, and uh, I, it it's it is an awesome song, start to finish. I love every part of it.
1: Yeah, we we talk about this a lot too and this seems to happen on many records. This is another one where like you could have ended the song, the album after this re- song, I think. Mm-hmm. Anyway,
0: right? Well, I've got an interesting note about that. So go
1: ahead and say what Ooh. you're going to say. So okay, so let me say this then. I really thought this was the last part of the record. Like I I, I don't know like what version I had, but in my head this was the the end. Um anyway, the, speaking to the merits of the song/parts slash of songs though, obviously like Blake mentioned, and once again, here we are back talking about the Beach Boys, and uh, dude, I like to try to like you know do a a hollow back to the Beach Boys or the Beatles. Like it's not for the faint of heart, uh, so no. to pull it off, like you got to give props. <clears throat> like to to do it tongue in cheek, but not be like super in your face about it. Um, you know the claps on the two and fours, and then he brings in some strings and some horns. Um, the breakdown of the bridge is so great, um, and then the transition, of course, to the second part of the song that Blake. Um, uh, perfectly executed 38 seconds of pure ear splitting pleasure um it it, it's a it's a beautiful piece of music i love it
0: okay so here's my guess um there's two ways this went you know i mentioned that he goes to maverick he has most of the record and they say they want a song and into the airwaves is one of the songs he then writes which is the song that's going to come after this um he either thought this was going to be the last song. I mean, I assume at that point, this was the right. last song probably right now. The other thing is that Maverick was the one that said here, we're going to give you a, a, a video camera and we want you to document some of this process or whatever. So I, I, that had to have happened earlier in the recording. I, like, I don't know when he exactly signed a record, but like this record was not done when, when Maverick, like, so they picked it up before he was finished with it for sure. Um, right he was
1: playing pieces of music or or
0: yeah he was giving parts of it and stuff like that right because they wanted him to document what it did and then that all became that dear jack documentary which i've not actually seen i don't know why i need to Um, it's good same same.
1: i need to see it i was thinking that while i was doing the research i us. i
0: know well i mean i just haven't i'm sorry it's it's terrible i'm a super fan and i've not seen it kyle Um, doesn't even
1: like something corporate he's like
0: all about the documentary he's got it on dvd Betamax. so here's my guess my guess is they they obviously this clip at the end of this song is from those recordings. It's him recording, talking about making the record and saying that it's over. I think that was done before he wrote into the airwaves. I literally think he like, that's my guess. And then, and it really, to me, it works really well actually. Cause this feels like a good wrap up. We have that little talk and then it's kind of like, yeah, but here's the real thing. Cause I don't know how you could not
1: put into the airwaves at the end of this
0: record now, Right, even though this felt like it, it, it,
1: it, it's perfect, but it, it, yes, it it does kind of, this thing starts to wrap it up for sure.
0: And then I'll, I've got another funny story about that after we do it into the airwaves. But, um, so here's my interesting note on this that I think is interesting is that like really he's clearly a piano guy. He tours with a real piano. He doesn't play a digital one or something like that. They get it freaking tuned every night. Um, which apparently drives other bands crazy because for two hours every night when you're on tour with something corporate Andrew McMahon or Jack's man, again, there's someone tuning a piano in the back room. Um, uh, So anyway, but like he doesn't play almost any of the other instruments that are keys based. So like he wasn't doing synths, he wasn't doing, it's just interesting to me that like he feels like he was just like, no, I think he likes, this is just me guessing. Keep in mind. I think he likes the percussiveness and how it feels rock and roll to play that thing, but it's not, not feel rock and roll to rock and organ kind of yeah. like, it like there's not the feel there that you get. So anyway, it's like the other, it's another guy that plays like the, uh, or he played the Wurlitzers uh, on this, but it's interesting that there's like the organ, the Chamberlain, the strings, the horn samples, all that stuff is that Patrick Warren guy doing it. So it's interesting that like he's stuck with the piano for the most part. There's a couple parts that have a little Moog part or a little organ in the background, but this is the first one that like off the top, it's like a harpsichord sounding thing. Wurlitzer and uh and that organ and stuff and it's just like it you can't not feel beach boys on it and and i don't know if he was playing this on piano and jim Ward was like you can't that can't be piano it's got to be a freaking um well i mean this is calling a chamberlain but i mean it sounds like a um uh is it mel melotron is that what it is that's uh that you know it's like the samples that the Beatles used all the time with the string stuff I think that's called a meltron oh you're, um,
1: you're way past my yeah. Uh, I don't know dude
0: well anyway it's it's a cool sound so um, anyway that's great that's, that's made for each other slash uh, you can breathe um, and it's a really great kind of double track and a great feel sort of like we're on the end of the record but we are not at the end of the record because we still have Into the Airwaves which we'll play right now it's
3: good
1: Chris Monier. It's just like Kyle said, man, this is one of those melodies that only he could create. It's so uniquely him, so beautiful, so well performed. um, And it's not, no, no one would ever, no one's mind would ever make that melody, like, except for his. It's, it's, uh, it's a, and it's a beautiful, um, uplifting, you know, Elton John slash, uh, you know, the, the big sweeping chorus uh, with the big piano. It's a great way to end the record. I love this song. And they did it small last night. They did it with like yeah, accordion yeah. and acoustic guitar and like
0: yeah. just people doing the harmonies and piano. It was actually, it was great. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on End of the Airwaves?
2: Uh, yeah. Love, love the melody. And it's just like, I would, I, I, I can't imagine writing something like that. So I think it's so cool <laughs> that he, that he did. Um, and I don't, I don't know, like I love this song. But I do feel like the song before this was. The, I've always felt like it was the end of the record right. for me. So,
0: um, but I
2: do, I do love the song.
0: Uh, so, uh, going back to the the melody, I love the rhythm of the of that
4: yes, chorus. Yeah, how he kind of mm-hmm.
0: lags behind and is kind of lazy mm-hmm. about it. That's the thing yeah. that I wouldn't think of. Like, I-, I would be too straight with it, and he's like. I am slipping through, I, and he's kind of behind the rhythm the whole time, almost yeah. like he's a little drunk. I know that's not what's actually going on, but like that's what it sounds like. <laughs> it's like he's behind it, but it's perfect, and I would never think of it, and most people would not get that. Um, I just love it. I mean, it's so cool. And so here's my note about Into the Airwaves. So same thing. I think a lot of people felt that way, because it literally has the little talk about like, well, that's the end of the record, blah, blah, blah. So I am going out to Arizona with some buddies of mine. We're playing a thing and I'm sort of half asleep in the back seat. And my buddy Justin and Nate are in the front seat and they're playing this record and I'm just kind of like back there, my eyes are closed, I'm enjoying the record and they like I don't remember if it was an iPod or if it was a CD. It was probably an iPod, but they like stopped it at the end of uh at the end of that last track. And, and I just, I guess, arose from the back seat that they didn't even know. They thought I was dead asleep. And I was just like, like what the hell are you doing? <laughs> like <laughs> why, why are you not playing into the airwaves? And just scared the crap out of them, apparently. And they were like, oh, my God. I was like, you cannot play that song. I'm like, right. I've just been listening to this whole record. I'm expecting my favorite. This is one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, I mean, I would certainly put this in in my top 10 of the genre, I mean, whatever. I mean, it's, it's, it's way up there for me. And so for them to uh, skip it and go on to the, whatever record they were picking next, I was like, absolutely not. You're going back and you're playing into the airwaves. Yeah. Um, I, I loved that the, br- you know, I love a bridge and Andrew obviously knew this bridge was good enough that he plays it at the end of the song too. So, uh, the, it's going to be a hard day, which by the way, you might as well just swap out day for year and it's 2020 Anthem. Uh, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> it fits really, really well for this year. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think love it. He, I think he said
1: as much last night. Yeah. We Bridge. Can't, so can't nice. Uh,
0: they play it twice. That's, that's my note for this one. Um, but yeah, yeah. He said as much last night, it, it, it could really be a, uh, almost an anthem for, for this year. Um, so that, that's my notes. Uh, Chris, did you already give her a note? Yeah,
1: you already did. I did. Yeah, yeah. You
2: did. Hey, I did have one small yeah, note. Please that- go ahead. <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't even read it because what you said was so so great. Like uh but I did write a note that I feel like on the chorus of the song he sounds a little bit like Ryan Key from Yellow Card.
0: Well, I can hear that a little bit. I yeah, mean, they have some qualities, they're the same. I wouldn't mix them up or anything, but they're they're in the no, same No, I just vein. said he
2: sounds he sounds
1: like him. Didn't they they, they would have toured together at some time, right? Uh, known each other.
0: I'm sure they knew each other. There's I don't think I think all those people had to at least cross paths at warp tour or whatever. I mean, like, how could you not? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, great album. Um, so let's go on to our lasting impression. Oh, it, sorry. Oh. It was
1: something corporate that toured with yellow card, I think oh, yeah. around.
0: Well, yeah. So that would make sense. Well, and that's kind of cool too, because they, one of them was the punk rock with the violin and the other was punk rock with the piano. They're right. kind of like, they both had a, uh, a unique instrumental shtick.
4: Which was not yeah.
0: shtick. That's the wrong word to say. But I mean, it was unique in the sense that there wasn't another piano frontman punk rock band that I was aware of, or one with a, a violin in it, to my knowledge. You can't be the second band,
4: no, with a violin in no. your that, punk yeah, rock no, it's band. Done. <laughs> you're
0: not. You might as well just be like, well, you're out or learning a tuba or something because this is not. uh you can't
2: oh, play you're a anymore. punk band with a violin. So, like, do you like Yellow Cards? Excuse <laughs> oh, me, who? So old. I'm that would be so funny. I I don't know. I'm not familiar. Yellow card. I'll check them out.
0: I specifically remember when you introduced me to something corporate, you were specifically mad about that was an idea you had of like a piano frontman punk rock band. And when they came out, you were like, well, now you, now I can't do it. Yeah. done. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, you were at least wise to not try it. Um, okay. So lasting impressions, does it hold up? Uh, Kyle, let's go to you first. Uh, Since you were not a Something Corporate fan first, I think it's a good—you're a good uh, bellwether,
2: maybe. So of course it 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 holds up, and although I'm a little bit uh, bummed is not the right word. I'm just I can't believe he didn't know on some of these (laughs) songs. But like, um, I listened to this record all last week, and my uh, my wife's little brother passed from leukemia last year. And he, he was, he was just such a good dude and a good friend. And it was like, it, it was hitting me in all the feels knowing, knowing that. And it's, it's crazy to after that. And like, it holds up. It was like cathartic for me to listen to. And then to find out that he didn't know is just mind blowing to me. But yes, the answer is it holds up. It like, it made me feel good. I related to it. And like, it, it's still... It's still relevant, and yes, I'm biased because I have this personal connection to to his story, but like, man, it's such a good record.
0: Agreed. Hey, quick note, Kyle, that will maybe vindicate your feelings. Okay. I never had the back of this record because I bought it on iTunes, but it lists each song not as track numbers, but as chapters, and ah. chapter 10 is made for each other, blah, 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 and then the bonus chapter is into the airwaves. Oh, so it is a little bit of both in the sense that like, you know, this is the last chapter and then this is the afterward or something like that. I don't know. Or actually they call so the, the afterword the bonus on this stuff podcast? on this one, but I don't know if that's only for the 10th anniversary edition that has uh, all the extra bonus stuff and some live stuff. But that's how they do it on that. Um, and so, so the stance
2: on this podcast is we do not usually like bonus tracks. Yeah, but this is not the a bonus. bonus track chapters it, are okay. Well, here's
0: Except. here's why this is not a bonus track because it was on every version of this album. It's yeah. not like it was an iTunes specific one or something like that. So I mean, it is part of the album and
2: like.
1: Well, but it's a yeah. framing thing, right? He's framing it. As, it's a framing thing. Yeah, I think yeah. that's. What, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um. And uh, anyway,
1: Chris. Hey guys,
2: in case this feels extra. Yeah. <laughs> It is a little, It's a
1: little extra. Chris, do you think it holds up? I mean, oh, absolutely. Okay. I, I didn't appreciate this record nearly enough. Obviously, from the discussion we had when we started this, and that yeah, this record come out yet? This record come out next week. It would not sound relevant, and of course, it holds I agree. up. It's perfect. Yeah, I agree.
0: It's, it's one of those weird things that I think we consider him in the emo genre because of something corporate. But if he wasn't in something corporate, I don't know why we would consider this. In yeah. that genre, if that makes that any been, sense, no, I think it
1: to his detriment uh, at the time, maybe uh, slightly. Uh, yeah, because he made this jump so fast. Yeah, um, and it's like one human being's not supposed to be so epically good. Your brain almost like writes it off as like eh, I don't know. I'm not gonna. It, it doesn't happen that often. Yeah, where it's, somebody it's like, jumps yeah. out of the band, does their own project, and it's so great, you almost discount it immediately as like, oh, great, this is like a you know when David Lee Roth did his solo thing. It's not. It's gonna suck. And it did, but not this guy. Yeah, <laughs> Andrew did great. <laughs> yeah, I think it definitely holds up. I mean, obviously, I, I,
0: I I've said over and over again how much I love this album. Uh, is it their best album? So here's a tricky thing: do we yeah. are we only counting do are we do only do this are we only counting Jack's Mannequin or are we counting everything that he's done because or at My least yeah, is the
1: is the line is between something corporate forward. and then the rest? Okay. I think it's definitely the best Jack's Mannequin record. Cause the, the, Wait, what do you guys think of that, though? Do you do you oh, think Jack's Mannequin and Andrew and the Wilderness are about, it's kind of all the same thing? very
0: similar. He kind of added more sense and program stuff in Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness. But, like, there's not such a departure that, like I said, he plays all this stuff at the shows. He plays well, yeah, to me, it's and like it Bruce works.
1: Springsteen or Bruce Springsteen in the E Street Band. Like, it's all kind of similar. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I, same, same. So I would say that, well, Kyle, you go first.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's his best. It's, it is, uh, I, I, it's his best Jack's Mannequin record. Definitely. I agree with that. Aside, aside from it, uh, aside from it just being the best thing that I think he's put out, I think it is a special record. It's special. I think, I think anybody could listen to it and fall in love with it. You know, it's, it is, there's something special about it. So Chris, what about you? What do you think? Uh, wherever you decide the dividing
0: line is.
1: Yeah. Well, no, no. I'm with Kyle. It's it's uh, it's it seems to be pretty hard not to frame it as the best piece of uh, collective music he put together on the other side of something corporate. Um, and it it also just it's it's not something you could recreate even with all the talent and. Um, hard work that went into the record cuz it, it just seemed like a really special time in his life like a transitional time in his life and yeah. there's something um uh, there uh, we've all gone through it you know especially folks that are on the other side of 30 or 35 like there's no you never feel feel like that again like you do in your 20s when you're having those transitional periods it's it's so raw and real yeah. and now like the craziest thing that happens to me is like uh, you know apparently there's a rat living in the trunk of my car that I, I mean, by the way, that's a crazy thing that's happened to me this week. What? Oh, that's yeah, I know, right? I didn't even know this happened. Look it up on the internet. It's a very common thing if you live next to Big Field. Anyway, I'm just saying, like, I'm not going to have another moment in my life where I'm going to have that kind of raw emotion. So uh, to, for, for him to be able to capture that um, in, in this piece of music, it, it, was, just, it was about timing too in, in his life. And um, that's why I think it's so special. It couldn't be, it can't be redone or, or couldn't be done again in, in that way.
0: Yeah, it's definitely the best Jack's Mannequin record. I mean, he admitted as much in the show before this one that we went to, Chris, where, like, he had total writer's block trying to write the second Jack's Mannequin record. Mm-hmm. Couldn't write anything, and finally, like, one song poured out, and then the rest of it did. Um, and I still think those records are good. Um, I do, I mean, like, again, hot take. His uh, Zombies on Broadway, the second Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness album, is is fantastic, It it's only to me it only doesn't um, tie with this record because of the the special circumstances of everything that happened around. You're right. right, The like specialness of like the cancer stuff and the and just everything else about like the the band and the breakup and then getting back with that woman and being his wife now. uh, And and so this is maybe that's the only thing that Zombies on Broadway album is is song. It's fantastic. Every song is fantastic. And songs like Fire Escape. And, um, oh gosh, I just forgot the name, uh, the other one the song about his daughter. Well, that one's on the first record of his oh, that, oh, The, uh, sorry, the sorry. second one has, um, has another song on it that are as good as like dark blue and, um, the other tracks that we've talked about on this record, like they are as good. Um, so that's another one of my favorites of his. So I, I would at least put them <coughs> in, in the heavy rotation of, of things I really like. So, um, uh, is it their most important album? Yay nay. I mean, I'd say yes because it's successful and it did it. But I don't know if you guys think differently. I mean, there wasn't a more successful Jack's Mannequin record after this.
2: And and it's it's also kind of tough because I think this is the first one that w- that we've asked this question on that maybe didn't like, <coughs> you know, sell a, a certifiable buttload of copies. I mean, yeah, it was a successful record, but yeah, it did I think fine. What, it was gold. It was
0: hard because, like I said, they were trying to promote it for a year yeah. without him being able to tour on it. Um, yeah, that's a tough yeah. What a situation. weird, weird
1: situation. Um, yeah, they made I mean, they you know they made an absolute. They they. It ended up being so, so just fine, but man, we were. A and R working on that record, you'd be like, "This is quite a mess. Like, what are we gonna do? <laughs> like, we want to do the right thing for this guy, but we also like, we've got bills to pay and stuff here." Well, um, I think it helps. They that seem they, to handle it really well.
0: I'm sure it helps that they bought the record from him and hadn't spent like a million dollars on it, or I don't know what they bought it from him for. I'm sure it was a pretty penny too, but it wasn't. I don't know. And I think also they probably understood. I think everyone probably understood once he got diagnosed that, like, oh, this record's about that, without knowing it. And they're like, how can you yeah. not release it when he's going through that? It
2: almost seems like cathartic I, for everyone involved. I, I'm like sitting here still processing that I was wrong, that, that he like, knew it? about it. And what's so cool about that is like, it is just, it is strong evidence to prove that pain is relative. Right. Like, oh, yeah. um, because this dude is singing about the pain of a breakup. And I was convinced that he was singing about his cancer. And, uh, I mean, it's re- Pain, it's it's relative, it's relatable, and like, uh, I it that's kind of cool. I'm still kind of shocked though, and feel
1: a little weird that it, that it wasn't about cancer. So. Well, and the weird thing, or, or sorry, weird's not the right word, but you, know, you think about cancer starting at the diagnosis, but he had cancer while he was making this right? Totally, <laughs> like, and, and, that's well, of weird there, to think about.
2: <laughs> can that like? this is this is a different i think this is a different brand of podcast but like does that subconsciously influence you exactly i I mean it it had to of right yeah it's weird you hear about people having dreams about like their stomach being on fire and then finding out months later they have stomach cancer or something like is this the subconscious uh songwriter i've heard heard weirder things so yeah absolutely
0: okay desert island songs two or three of your favorites chris
1: is it cheating to for MFEO part that, 1 and part 2? That two? can be one. That can be one song. That's it's one, one track. Okay, so that's it's one, one track. For sure. uh, Good. Uh, yeah. That's and smart. then uh, Miss Delaney, I I just I'm super into that tune. Um I, I didn't go with the singles on this cuz I, I didn't want to be too obvious, but um and then Bruised, like I said, that song grew on me a lot just in the last week as I was listening to this record uh, to the point where I would listen to it two or three times in a row. Um I I I Great piece of music. I absolutely love that song. It's gonna. It, I put it on my fall playlist. It's it's going in the. It's going in the cycle, guys. Until winter comes. Kyle, what are your Desert
2: Island songs? Uh man, I'm totally gonna swagger Jack from my birthday buddy and <laughs> get get a twofer because you know it's I like that. Pretty so, sour, yeah. uh Mefo uh, and you know what? It was on my it was on my list before, but I it wasn't grouped. So I'll group them because it's perfect together uh and then i love the opener holiday from real and i just can't i i know that it is lame to do a single but dark blue is such such a special song it's not lame when it's that good it is good
0: guys it's so hard for me to pick i mean it is i I thought i I thought i had my three and then you guys start talking i'm like no they might be okay so i mean what you wrote down though if i have to pick three I think oddly enough, I'm picking La La Lai, Dark Blue, Ooh. and Into the Airways, which are the three that weren't even originally on it. Wow. Which is crazy to me. Like, those are just, like, those songs have always stuck out to me. Like, really close in there is Rescued, though. I mean, that that's on so many playlists of mine that I, I like, I really probably should have included in my de- Desert Islands, but if I've only got a three, I'm going to do those other three. So,
1: and if you're taking notes at home, usually when the three of us all pick, like, pretty much a different set of songs that means the it's a great record record. you need to go listen to right now (laughs)
0: yeah Yeah. um nobody's perfect what's the worst song in this album
1: uh chris i i i I hated to pick one but if i had to i I did put an asterisk next to i'm ready i think if i that's just uh, it's just all right but then later like when kyle talked about it i was like i don't like my pick for that so so i'm i'm all over the place on this one
2: kyle do you have one no, I mean honestly, my only thing—the only thing that I disliked would be—I would move into the airwaves, but like I still, like I said, I love the song. Um, no, this this is a this is this is a perfect record. Yeah, I I can't pick one. I don't have one that I'd kick off. I don't even have one I like. A
1: well, little. Well, so my well, and my wife um, gets really pissed off when the people talk during songs, and she was in my head <laughs> on this. She was all in my head. So when he started talking, because the Aver um, brothers yeah, do it yeah, yeah. on this song, and I can just hear it. I don't go. like, why, like why it, but did it they works fine. This?
0: It works fine for him on this one.
1: By the way, no, it totally did, but I think it put me, it, it spun me into a place where I was like, well, ah, maybe I don't like this song. I don't know, but but hey, and when you guys of, talked about it, I loved
0: it. A note I forgot to mention on uh, on You Can Breathe uh, that the lyrics of that verse are a better make out in a car song than Night Drive by Jimmy Eat World. By the way, <laughs> that's my if I've got to pick a make out in a car song, it's the back half of made for each other and breathe.
1: Um, we're going to have to do a whole podcast on night drive, Blake. Uh, yeah, yeah, we will
0: grower, <laughs> not a shower. Uh, I think Chris, obviously yours is bruised. I mean, you've yeah, said as yeah, much pretty uh, clearly. Yes. Uh, Kyle, do you have a grower, not a shower?
2: No, I mean, the only thing that, the only thing that grew on me was, uh, was this dude in general, you know, but I also think that this was different enough and it was at, at the right time for me to be into it. And what's oddly enough, I have not back cataloged. Like I haven't gone and listened to something corporate. So maybe I need to do that. I think it's worth doing. I think, uh, I think you should do it. I think
0: I, like I said, I've grown to appreciate North more than I did at the time, um, and I don't, I don't know that those, they've totally swapped places yet. And I'm sure we'll do those albums too at some point, so we don't even get into it. But um, oh, hey. oh, yeah, that could
2: be fun for me to like have a fresh perspective.
0: Yeah, I think it would be when we do those records. Uh, Kyle, Ooh. I'm curious, what is your? Uh, we didn't really normally, but do you have a mixtape must on this one? We normally do it while we're talking track by track, but you mentioned you <laughs> might have one.
2: Well, I mean, I feel like Dark Blue is a mixtape. Yeah, must. I was
0: going to say that's the one. <laughs> I mean,
2: it it is. That's a great it is one. so good, and and I was trying to pick out. I was trying to pick out a, a Sacred Heart song. There are so I I, there it, are there's so many. <laughs> I think it's Rescue. For me, it's Rescue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I feel like that you're one right. has like it's quiet enough
0: and then kind of builds up enough that I think that would be on the end credits of uh, with yeah. JD over talking it. So I think that I think Rescue is probably our Sacred Heart one <laughs> if we got to pick. Yeah, one. I'll,
2: I'll accept that. I mean, I feel like the whole record could. Yeah, somehow
0: work, but, but. yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, all right, well, thanks for listening. And again, if you like what you hear, please consider giving us a glowing glowing, it must be fantastic and five stars. Uh, review on iTunes, and of course, you know, subscribe so the episodes just conveniently show up on your device whenever we release them every other Tuesday. Uh, you can send us comments, disagreements, or suggestions at info at finding emo. <laughs> Why do I mess up our email address every time? I can't say it info at finding emo pod. Com or on Twitter at FindingEmoPod or Instagram or Facebook, any of those things. Um, and by the way, the next one we're going to do is... Uh, oh, wait. I forget which one we're doing. We're doing May. Are we doing yeah, Everglow? Everglow? We're doing the Everglow. Yeah. Uh, May the Everglow. Um, their sophomore record. So that's the next one we're doing. Listen to it a couple times before the next one comes out. Uh, outside of that, we will catch you next time.
2: Bye. Bye.